0: Welcome to the show. My name is Al Gordon. And as
1: always, I'm working on your financial freedom. And I want to wish everybody a happy new year. I am so glad that 2022 is in the rearview mirror. I am looking forward to all of the opportunity that is going to be available for me and for you and, and all the Lifestyles Unlimited members in 2023. This is going to be a great year for us to make. A lot of money. And some of you are thinking, wait a minute, Al, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've been reading the news. I've been watching all the articles and everything that I see about real estate. It says that real estate prices are, are not necessarily going up. As a matter of fact, there's, there's a lot of pundits out there that are saying that real estate prices might actually go down. So why, why would you invest in something that's going to go down in value, Al? And here's why because it eventually is going to go back up in value. Wait a minute, Al. That's that's the argument you use against us with the the stock market. We say that, you know, we invest in the stock market and then when the stock market goes down, we do dollar cost averaging and then we just we just wait for the market to recover. Are you mm-hmm. saying that real estate is like the stock market, Al? And the short answer is no, actually, it's, it's not anything like the stock market. It's, it's not as volatile. It's not as liquid. And things don't happen as quickly in the real estate markets as they do in the stock market. So, so I, I have to take your argument and say, nope, we're not going there. So what am I getting at on today's show? Why am I bringing up the fact that I think we're going to make a lot of money in real estate, but a lot of you out there have this opinion that I'm nuts? Well, here's why. Opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. You've got one. I've got one. Everybody's got an opinion and everybody's got an opinion about the real estate markets and, and whether or not you can make money in real estate. Now check this out. Here's, here is a, an article that came to me from, from fortune magazine and it says institutional home buyer yield street. Now what is yield street? Yield Street is a a big company. It's a big company. And what were they doing in the height of the seller's market? They were buying as much real estate as they could. And why were they buying real estate as much as they could? Because prices were going up. Their strategy is to buy the asset and Take advantage of appreciation. Take advantage of the fact that the prices are going up. But here's what the article says Yield Street slashes buying levels by 90% as it awaits a sharper home price correction. Yeah, so this, this big institutional buyer in single family houses, that's what these guys buy. These guys compete with me. They compete with members of Lifestyles Unlimited. And they're buying assets, but not as many as they were. They're not buying as many as they were. Now here's the byline. It says from December onward, the expectation from my side is we'll have another 10 to 15% decline nationally, says Yield Streets Tejas Yoshi. Hopefully I got his name correct. Okay, so Tejas Yoshi um, thinks that prices are gonna go down. 10 to 15% in 2023, and as a result of that, they have curtailed 90% of their effort to buy more assets. So what does that mean? Does that mean you shouldn't be in the real estate market game? Does that mean you shouldn't be in the real estate markets? And I'm here to tell you, you should be in the real estate markets. I'm being very clear, and I'm being very upfront with you. Here's why I have talked about in the past on this very show, some of the successes that I personally had with real estate assets. You've heard me talk about some of the single family houses that I've owned that I've disposed of. You've heard me talk about some of the multifamily assets that I've owned and I've disposed of. Here's the correlation. When I disposed of a lot of my single family assets, I did it In a time period when the markets were classified as being in a a hardcore seller's market, meaning I could put an asset out there for sale and I would attract no less than a dozen. And in many cases, a couple dozen qualified buyers that were competing to buy my property and they were offering as much as they could possibly offer in order to be in contention to win the bidding war and here's here's what we determined because i had owned those assets for almost 20 years apiece i had i had taken a lot of depreciation on those assets so as a result of that my concern was if i was to sell those assets i would incur a lot in the form of taxation Uh, And so here's here's how they tax you when you sell a property, by the way, if you own the property for more than a year and a day, which clearly I didn't in in these assets, you're going to be charged capital gains taxes, whatever the capital gains tax is on the gain that you make on that property. And you're also subject to something called depreciation recapture expense, which can be about 25% of all the depreciation that you've taken over the years. Now I took depreciation over like 20 years. So I took a lot of depreciation on these assets. I mean, you're allowed to depreciate them for 27 and a half years. So that kind of gives you an idea that, that I consume more than two thirds of the depreciation available to me on these assets. So when I sat down and I looked at, if I sold these assets outright, what would my tax liability be? And here was the problem. Based on what the the assets were worth, based on what I bought the assets for, and based on what my, my gain would be on a sale, I determined that if I sold them outright and paid all the taxes due, that about 70%, you heard me correctly, 70% of the gain that I earned would have to go to taxes. And that would be a problem. And here's why. On these assets, I, I made I made approximately forty thousand dollars in gain after after all the expenses et cetera et cetera it was about forty thousand dollars in gain, so if I paid seventy percent in taxes, that's that's like almost thirty thousand dollars that that would only leave me a little over ten thousand dollars to reinvest. So the problem is if I sold all three of those, I I would only have about thirty dollars to reinvest. That was a problem. What I needed to do was I needed to exchange those assets for other assets. And I needed to pursue something called a 1031 exchange, which is a, a very legal remedy. It's built into the IRS code. As a matter of fact, it's IRS code, get this, 1031. The government does is not unique in, in how they, they identify or label things. They just do it the way they do it. So I did something called a 1031 exchange. And what that legally allowed me to do was to sell those assets. Now at the time period that I sold these assets, we were starting to get into a seller's market. We, we weren't in a hardcore seller's market, but we definitely were not in a buyer's market anymore. We were in a seller's market and I was able to command some pretty good prices for those duplexes. I did a 1031 exchange on each duplex and I exchanged each duplex for a single family house in the San Antonio market. So I, I moved my, my investment assets from Kansas, where they were, and I moved them to Texas, where, where they, they became. And by doing the 1031 exchange, what it allowed me to do was to keep that full $40,000 per property in play because I didn't have to set taxes aside for it because the tax liability would be migrated onto the follow on properties. You heard me correctly. So now, I own three single-family houses. I exchanged three duplexes for three single-family houses, and I'm owning and operating these properties. As the leases come up and they come due on the properties, the the residents make a decision that they're gonna they're gonna move out. They're gonna go somewhere else. And at this point, we're in a hardcore sellers market. In other words. This is the prime time for me to put the property on the market for sale if I'm going to sell it, because the reality of it is I'm not going to command as great of a price, nor am I going to command as much flexibility in the marketplace because I'm a seller. I have an asset that people want. There's a lot of buyers out there that want this asset. So I'm going to put the asset out there. So I put the first property out there for sale. And I I waited for like Friday afternoon before a three-day weekend because I kind of know what I'm doing. And sure enough, by Saturday at noon, I had at least a dozen offers on the property. And by Sunday at noon, I was close to two dozen offers. We ultimately selected a buyer for the property. This buyer came in and, and paid even more money for the property than I was asking. Therefore, they won the bidding process, if you will. And I sold that property to that buyer. Now, I did not do a 1031 exchange. The reason I didn't do a 1031 exchange this time was because the gains that I made on the single family house were were, were dramatic. I made as much if not more gains on the single family house in the little over year, year and a half that I owned it as compared to the gains that I made on those duplexes that I wound up owning for 40 years. Okay. So my tax liability from the old properties is also mixed in with the tax liability for this new property. Okay. So I'm going to be facing, as I do my 2022 taxes, I'm going to be facing the capital gains taxes and the depreciation recapture that, that are, associated with this transaction. So some of you are thinking, man, you should be nervous because now now if you said you owed $30,000, how much do you potentially owe now? And I think the number that I potentially owe now on that, that particular house, house is about $50,000. But wait a minute, what did I do with all of the money that I put into the, that house that I took out when I sold it? Well, I went and I bought apartment communities. I did. I went out and I exchanged that house for two apartment communities. I did. Now here's the beautiful thing. The the investor that I invested with, a federal lifestyles unlimited member, he's owning and operating those properties on my behalf, and he's doing something called cost segregation. Meaning he is breaking down all the systems of this property into its fundamental components. And by doing so, when I get my K1 for 2022 from this particular investor, it's going to come with a whole lot of depreciation write offs on those particular assets and i'm going to be able to use those depreciation write-offs to offset the capital gains taxes and the depreciation recapture taxes that i incurred when i sold the single family house so what about house number two house number two kind of happened the same way house number one happened except here was the big difference In house number two i made even more money because the market was that much more of a seller's market it was such a seller's market that i wound up selling the asset now get this for twenty-five thousand dollars above fair market value yeah it was a great deal and i did the same thing with with buying apartment communities all right so when we come back from the break i have a lot more to share with you because i still have a third asset that i've got to talk to you about stick around
0: Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next.
1: Lifestyles Unlimited members share their stories and strategies for success at case study events. If you got laid off tomorrow, what would you do? Would you have to be working at McDonald's or wait to try and find another job with the downsizing in the economy? Kept on coming to meetings even with
0: David Fisher Online and stuff like that, but still, we just like we need to make the jump.
1: So we kept praying for time to get this job done, to, to be able to find the properties. How do we find the properties? How do you find the time? And God answered our prayers, and He got downsized from his corporate job. But they didn't buy just one house, right? No, they did not. We're you rehabbing house number nine right now. Nine. nine. Wow. So every month, the cash flow is thirty-two hundred dollars. Okay, the equity of all the houses is up to two hundred and eighty thousand. Join us this month and learn from people just like you. Check in-person and online dates at lucasestudy.com. That's lucasestudy.com.
0: Listening to Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show will change your life. Now, here's your host. Welcome back to the second half of the Lifestyles Unlimited
1: Real Estate Investor Radio Show. My name is Al Gordon. And as always, I'm working on your financial freedom. And I'm doing so by telling you some of the background regarding What's going on in the housing markets? Now, you're probably seeing all kinds of articles out there that are talking about the real estate market is softening. We're seeing the fact that prices in 2023, they may become depressed. I I indicated to you that there's a big institutional buyer out there that slashed their home acquisition process by 90 percent because they said that they anticipate home values going down 10 to 15 percent in 2023 and that doesn't match up with their model see their model is designed to focus on home values appreciating so if home prices are not appreciating it doesn't work for their model now, for my model, it works out just fine because I'm buying for the cash flow. I'm not buying for the, the appreciation, although the appreciation will eventually be forthcoming. I am buying for the cash flow, and I'm using that cash flow to offset my costs of living so that I maintain retirement. See, I am, I am real estate retired. I don't have to work. I don't have to work at all. I could I could tomorrow say I don't want to do radio anymore and I could be done. Now I'm not going to do that to you because I enjoy what I'm doing. This is a passion for me to to be able to share insights into how to invest correctly with you is 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 amazing that I get this this gift to be able to do this. So I do this as often as I can. What I'm sharing with you today is kind of the background on how I was able to capitalize on a hardcore seller's market. And that's exactly what I did. I was able to transact some single family properties, take advantage of the fact that the prices were pushed really, really high. I I would I would venture to say they were artificially high, but they were there nonetheless. They transacted at the prices that they transacted at. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to see some some cooling off. We're not going to see people coming in and offering, say, $25,000 above the asking price on a $250,000 asset. Yeah. Well, actually, that asset was only about $225,000. But after they offered me an additional $25,000, it became a $250,000 asset. Because pricing is based on what a buyer And a seller agreed to. And in those particular cases, I was able to take advantage of a hardcore seller's market. So when did I buy those assets? Well, I bought the duplexes in in a relatively buyer's market. I did. I got got a pretty decent price on them. I just didn't know what I was doing. And then when I became a member of Lifestyles Unlimited and I figured out what right looked like, I fixed the cash flow problem that I had on those assets, I was able to produce $1,000 a month among, across all three of them, as opposed to writing checks for $1,000 a month, because that's that's what I was doing. I was following a, a California logic to investing. So now I've got cash flowing assets, and now I'm seeing indications that there's a seller's market coming to fruition. In in the place where I own these duplexes, and I want to take advantage of it, so I sell the assets. Now, when I bought the replacement assets, it was it was kind of becoming a seller's market in the San Antonio area, and and here's why: I was having difficulty finding replacement properties. Now, I ultimately did find the three assets that I found, but it it took some work, it took some effort on my part, and I I still got good buys on those particular assets. And I made great money on two of them. Now the third one I still own. I still own it and I'll tell you why in a moment. So on those particular assets, I was able to take advantage of a full-blown seller's market. So I sold. So when should you buy? In a buyer's market. what What is the market indicating to you that it's doing? Is it Does it look like it's acting like a seller's market? anymore? And the short answer is no. That, that doesn't look like a seller's market to me. As a matter of fact, we're starting to see inventory levels come up a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. And because of the fact that the interest rates have been pushed relatively high, I will say relatively high, it has caused some people to step away from the market. In other words, they were able to, to buy maybe their dream home at a certain price point at a certain interest rate, but then when the interest rate's adjusted and now all of a sudden they're paying like 7.4% for their mortgage as opposed to say 3.4% for their mortgage, well, it, it priced them out of the marketplace. They could no longer afford to buy the same type of house. So what did those people do? Well, they left the marketplace there were no longer buyers in the marketplace. So as a result of that, there are less buyers in the marketplace to compete for the assets that are available. When should you be buying? Right now. You should be buying right now. In spite of the fact, I just read to you an article that a major institutional buyer is no longer looking to buy 90% of the assets that it thought it was gonna buy in 2023. Why should you buy? Because your strategy is different than theirs. First of all, you're not a faceless corporate entity. You're you're not that. And you're not an entity with a business model where you have a lot of cash and you're buying assets for all cash. You're not even taking advantage of the fact that you can leverage those assets and make even more money. Why do they do that? Because they only have to get a certain rate of return in order to keep their investors happy and to cover the overhead costs of running the organization. If buying assets right now for them doesn't make sense, they're going to step away from the market. What does that do for you and me? That's less competition for the properties that you and I will go out and look at realize that we're in this for the long haul. We're not, we're not into this real estate investing stuff for a five-minute event. Yeah, we're not flipping these assets. We, on the other hand, are long-term investors. So we are subject only to long-term capital gains rates and any depreciation recapture that the government may choose to impose upon us. As a result of that, our tax rates are much, much, much more favorable than somebody who flips. When I buy a single-family house, I am looking to hold that asset for three to five years. Now, I will caveat my statement, and I will tell you that when I bought those three single-family houses that I exchanged for the duplexes, I intended to hold those for three to five years. But because the market conditions became so favorable to me to sell my assets, Tina and I decided, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's sell them off and let's, let's take advantage of the fact that we can get the money out and we can go buy apartment communities. Cause that's really where we want to invest all of our money. The majority of our money is invested in multifamily assets. I'm just being real clear with you. Realtor.com. They did a little bit of an analysis here. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to give you a forecast for 2023. And I, and I love what they say. They say the coming year could be tough for buyers and sellers. Really? What does that mean? If it's tough for buyers and sellers, that indicates to me that we're moving into a buyer's market where the conditions are becoming more favorable to the buyer. Yeah, more favorable. So so what are the key things that Realtor.com, they point out? Well, the first thing is they're seeing a buying power on the decline. Yeah. What does that mean? It means that the typical mortgage payment Will be about twenty-eight percent higher in the markets because the interest rates have gone up. They have dramatically gone up. As a matter of fact, here's here's their their statistics on the mortgage rates. In twenty twenty-one, the average mortgage rate was three percent. Average mortgage rate three percent. We haven't seen interest rates like that. I don't, I don't think I've I haven't seen them in my lifetime. I think they existed before I was born. But i haven't seen three percent interest rates in my lifetime until i saw three percent interest rates in my lifetime yeah it was great ironically prior to that from 2013 to 2019 the historical average interest rate was four percent so the interest rates actually decreased in 2021 and then we had a change in well our governmental structures and we, we have a new president, and that new president changed some of the things that the old president was doing, and that triggered a bunch of financial events that I'm not going to get into, but that caused us to get into the current recessionary period that we're in. And yes, I'm going to use the term recession. I know what a recession is. I have two business degrees. I know what a recession is. It is two quarters of declining GDP. We hit that in 2023. Even though people are starting to say, well, we might see a recession in 2023. No, folks, you're seeing recession right now. And you're seeing recession coupled with something called inflation. Look, get over it. It's here. It's going to be around for a while. We have to operate around it. It's as simple as that. Okay. so what did that cause? Well, that caused the Fed. To, to try and address interest rates. So what do they do? They went to the Kurt Volker plan from like the 1970s. And the only thing they know how to do is raise interest rates. So they started jacking up the interest rates. So at the beginning of 2022, the interest rates went from a low of 3% up to 5.5%. And by the time we got to the end of 2022, that's like last week, right? They were at 7.5%. 7.5%. And you know what? They're not done. They're not done because they're still talking about raising the discount rate, which will affect the mortgage rate. We could see 8% interest rates in the housing market. So what does that do to pricing? It puts downward pressure on pricing. And here's why. People that want to buy real estate assets that will get a loan, can only afford so much of an asset and at a seven and a half percent rate, there's only so much that they can qualify for. It's just the way it is. If rates go up higher, they'll be even more affected. They'll be able to afford even less house. How do you get them to a point where they can afford more house? Well, the prices have to come down. The prices have to try and mirror what's going on with the interest rates so that now you can put affordability back into the marketplace so that people can buy. And if they can't buy, what happens to the market? It stagnates. It stagnates, it becomes, get this, a buyer's market. When should you be buying in a buyer's market? Doesn't matter if prices are going down. You're not concerned with losing 10 to 15% In value because you're buying the asset for the cash flow properties now think about it you've got an asset that's producing $400 a month in cash flow let's say you need $4,000 a month to operate your household how many assets do you need you need 10 single-family assets producing $400 a month each to retire yourself how long does it take you to get to 10 single-family houses Well, it depends on your financial situation. It depends on where you are in your life. It depends on what you've done in the past, how you've either helped or hindered your financial situation. It depends on how much money sitting in that 401k that's not doing anything for you. You can actually extract all of that money. You can go out and buy 10 single family houses. You can get it done in a year and you could be retired at the end of the year. At the end of 2023, you could be retired. It's plausible and you do it in a buyer's market and then you hold those assets and you wait and you continue to operate those assets. And eventually we're going to migrate out of a buyer's market. We're going to move more towards a balanced market. And eventually we will start moving back towards a seller's market. Now, when's that going to happen? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. But this is what I do know. I can study the price trends over the last 100 years with real estate, and I can tell you that over the last 100 years of real estate pricing trends, there have been situations where we have been in a buyer's market, there have been situations where we've been in a seller's market, and there have been situations where we've been right in the middle, that, that balanced market. It's going to happen, folks. I'm I'm just being honest with you. Not that I would lie to you, but I think it's important for you to understand that you're buying today to harvest future gains. You heard me correctly. You're buying today to harvest future gains. This is the time period where you should be loading up on real estate. I'm serious. In 2008 When the big meltdown happened, remember 2008, I was materially affected by it. You were probably materially affected by it. Most Americans were materially affected by it. Almost destroyed me financially. I'm serious. Almost destroyed me financially. When did Lifestyles Unlimited members start making the biggest gains in the entire 32 years that we've been around? In 2008. They started buying assets in 2008 when the property values were in decline. They continued to buy more assets in 2009 when the property values were still in decline. They bought even more assets at lower prices, by the way, in 2010 because we were still in a decline. And then they owned and they operated those assets In 2011, in 2012, in 2013. And then some people made decisions that they had hit their pricing goals and they started selling their assets. That's when it starts to become a seller's market for you. When you can put the asset on the marketplace, in spite of what the general market's saying, the fact that you bought at a discounted price You've owned at a discounted price, and now the market has finally gotten itself back to where it needs to be. So now you're selling for your strike price. You're selling for your profit price. You're making money in real estate. And what do you do with the money that you make? You turn around and you reinvest it. Yeah, you reinvest it. And even if prices are going back up, okay, isn't that Isn't that what everybody's saying right now? Prices aren't going up. The prices are going down. All right. So now, now you're buying new replacement assets when prices are going up. Isn't it amazing how real estate works? Look, to get the full picture, go to lifestylesunlimited.com, sign up for one of our free workshops, and let's get you going.